We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live right now. Welcome to the Tuesday Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Jake and Joe edition, obviously, which takes place every Tuesday leading up to the actual NFL playoffs. Today's show, we're going to focus on obviously all the news and notes for training camp and a full week one of preseason contest, as well as a recap of my NFFC draft, as well as all the other people who are participating in that ended up being a, a pretty big industry draft overall. Oh, oh, sorry. I don't know what Jake's doing, but it's fine. Again, welcome to the Tuesday Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Before we get things underway, let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience. I'll test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have to uh, you'll have complete control over your team's future, and you can build the draft, make trades, sign free agents and manager team salary cap with those real-life uh, NFL contracts. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com. Use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to get $5 off your new team. You are listening right now to the Dynasty Owner Expert Champion. I wish everybody else would be uh, plugging that because it, I feel like it's very valuable. I have the trophy and uh, T-shirt to celebrate my Dynasty Owner uh, Expert League Championship. That's fine. I, I just I just want the rest of the Riddle NFL podcast to uh, – to acknowledge me, so to speak. Roman Reigns reference, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, why don't you uh, wear the shirt next time? That'll, that'll do your blood. <laughs> that'll do it perfectly. Uh, all right, yeah, so obviously tons of breaking news and just news and notes over this past weekend that occurred. A lot of different injury uh, things, and, and I think we have to first mm-hmm. discuss Zach Wilson a little bit. Obviously, uh, it was feared that he tore his ACL, I think that was Friday. Yep. Then we had news Saturday morning. No, in fact, it was actually more of a meniscus tear and a bone bruise. He might actually be ready for week one. He just had the surgery today. Adam Schefter reported that Wilson is still considering week one. So am I. I would love to play week one of the NFL. Might not be a guarantee, though, and I would not be surprised at all if the Jets take things slow. So, Jake, here you go. Your first of many probably victory laps throughout the season. (laughs) We had just talked last week about how I was scoffing at Joe Flacco starting an NFL game. And, like, I was was scoffing at the fact that he would start over Zach Wilson. It wasn't that Zach Wilson was hurt. But fine. Whatever you want, Jake. You can go ahead and celebrate this one. So, you know what? My favorite, one of my favorite, like, monikers, I guess, in sports journalism is, uh, you know, Wilson had successful knee surgery, right? Did they ever, did they ever report that it was unsuccessful? I mean, it's what, it's what, the Tyrod Taylor surgery. They totally it's botched definitely. that situation. Yeah, they totally botched his knee sur- surgery. So, But apparently, he just needed a clean, clean up procedure. Two to four weeks is the timeline. Uh, no surprises from the original uh, diagnosis, according to, you know, Richardson and EVS. Which was yeah. huge. That's what they were worried so, about. So, yeah, yeah. So, they, they were pretty much hoping that it was just going to be, yeah, meniscus and, and – uh, and that's what the case was. So it looks like Joe Flacco is going to go ahead and start week one. Uh, of course, there's some narrative right off the bat because it's a revenge game against the Ravens uh, week one where the Jets are seven-point home underdogs. <laughs> and I don't know how much. Uh, <laughs> I'm it, taking the Ravens <laughs> the points. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I had to look that up just out of curiosity. Um, does, uh, this, I mean, it happens week one. You know, maybe week two, if they're extra careful, they should be extra careful with the guy who's apparently the future of their franchise, but, um, you know, I don't know. It doesn't change my Elijah Moore outlook. No. You know, I still kind of like him. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that I'm uh, a little sleepier on Brees Hall than most. 
and uh, you know that I like that I'm snagging Michael Carter a little bit later in drafts. So uh, you know I, I could be unique in that, but you know a quarterback change week one doesn't do a whole lot uh, for the fantasy outlook of these guys, and you shouldn't see it reflected much in the ADP either. Yeah, the biggest move would be if Elijah Moore was comfortably falling into the sixth round. I feel like a few drafts you can catch that, but otherwise not really. And we'll go over the one that I just had with the NFFC where he went in the fifth round. Yeah, I mean, that would be the only change that really matters for me. If Wilson was out long-term, I imagine most of those guys' ADP would fall somewhat, even though you must love Joe Flacco, Jake, because you had to talk about it last week and yeah. bring that into the universe, but it's fine. Yeah, so, I mean, just for, for perspective here, uh, Elijah Moore's ADP since August 1st I, on uh, the NFFC is 63, so puts him just outside the fifth round, which, you know, I'm cool with that. But I, like I said, as what happened in your draft, I can absolutely understand the case for, you know, sneaking into the tail end of the fifth round, too. One of the guys I did take in my draft, again, we'll be reviewing it towards the end of the show, was Drake London. This was after his injury, which occurred in the, I think it was the Friday or Saturday preseason game. They all, they all come together for me. Um, it was not meant to be serious, or it's supposed to not be serious, but he was not practicing today. That's not much of a surprise when it is a knee injury and you're talking about a top 10 overall pick this year. I still am completely committed to London so long as I know he's playing for the majority of the season. If he misses like week one or two, I would be fine with it. Uh, where are you at right now with Drake London and, and his status given this injury he occurred and picked up over the preseason? Yeah, I used to always be a little hesitant on rookie wide receivers in fantasy. And then guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson came out and shattered <laughs> yeah. that mold completely here. So I need to, I need to re. You know, I need to adapt to that way of thinking a little bit. And, um, you know, I I wasn't quite ready to pay the price that, um, you know, that London is demanding here. And, you know, looking at uh, the NFFC, which, again, we'll continue to reference throughout that show, a top 80 player, you know, and uh, below him you could get guys like someone like Alan Lazard is below him, for example, or, you know, Devontae Smith's right by him. And um, I just when even Tyler Lockett down at 95, you know, when, uh, you know, when making that choice, I, I, I stick to uh, a slightly more proven commodity. And not only is it the Falcons, who will probably be one of the worst teams in the league this year, uh, you know, Mariota, Ritter, whoever's throwing in the ball at any point, which I guess it, those two will probably split time at points during the season. Um, it worries me a little bit, and uh, especially with a rookie receiver. Um, but at the same time, I contradict myself, and I kind of like Kyle Pitts, too. So, uh, But I still haven't put my money where my mouth is. I don't have any pitch shares yet this year. Oh, uh, maybe, boy, that'll yeah. change. maybe that'll change Tuesday in the Stake League auction. We'll see if Mario lets that happen or not, or if you and Mario let that happen. I, was gonna say, I don't think Mario's but, actually in the Stake League draft this year. Oh, is so it's just, me, it's just me and John uh, carrying the, the poll for the Kyle Pitts team, and I guarantee you we will price him accordingly, Jake. Yeah, so not you, are you guys going to bump him up to like $40 like Kelsey then? Whatever the Mark Andrews price is, you can safely say Kyle Pitts will be just a buck or two below that. Yep, yeah, no, that's that's, uh, that, that's a safe uh, choice. <laughs> we had uh, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, mispractice on Tuesday with knee soreness. Jalen Waddle was also out with practice, uh, out of practice with an undisclosed issue. KJ uh, Hamler, KJ Hamler, uh, obviously Broncos wild. This is important because yes. he's now he's now kind of jumped a little bit above the last round best ball sort of pick after the Tim Patrick out for the season injury. Uh, KJ Hamler not at practice. I don't think he was practicing either Saturday or Sunday either with his own knee issue. And we have obviously Mike Evans who last Saturday had the hamstring issue, still isn't practicing yet. Most of the Bucks guys did not play in their week one contest. That's Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, uh, Russell Gage. All their top four wideouts were held out of that initial preseason contest. So a lot of news from a wide receiver perspective. I'm not sure which one is most actionable yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, like I said, there's a whole big list of these. And, um, you know, none of these are crazy actionable for me yet. Okay. Uh, except for Hamler, maybe, because it's his first year coming off the ACL and he tore the ACL in week three of last year. So, um, I don't know, that may, might make me a little more hesitant to, uh, to snag him up in the last rounds of those best balls or as a last pick and say like a 14 team league, you know, that's not, uh, it's not looking the same. And, you know, remember he's still behind Sutton and Judy and probably Albert O in the packing order for targets there too. So would you take Sammy Watkins or KJ Hamler with your last pick in best ball? In best ball? Whew. Boy, see, I, I'm gonna actually take Sammy Watkins. Uh, so I was at there too because it's it's the last it's the last uh, pick, right? So what do you have to lose? I'll take my Packer. And people forget Sammy Watkins is only 29 years old. He feels like he should be 35, shouldn't he? He feels like he's been around forever, and you know, with with injury years, but he's been in the league since 2014. But uh, yeah, 29 years old with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Who knows what could happen. Yeah, the Commanders had an interesting day Saturday. Obviously, there was their first preseason contest. The Carson Wentz showing was 
mild as much of Carson Wentz's career seems to be. Antonio Gibson was the biggest loser, possibly of all week one preseason contests. Had the fumble, was then replaced by Brian Robinson. We already know the Alabama back has been pushing for some more short yardage and goal line work. There are some people in the Brian Robinson hive mind that are thinking he is going to be the starter for the commanders. And after this bad outing for Antonio Gibson, he was spotted working in the special teams. I don't know if this means anything whatsoever, other than it seems a little bit troubling that you're starting running back is on special teams other than returning kicks and punts. And even then we saw it with the Falcons last year with Cordell Patterson, you want to use your best players on offense, not on special teams. And yet this doesn't seem to be the case for the commander. Should you be worried about taking Antonio Gibson in the sixth or seventh round? His price is almost coming down enough to the point where I think I would consider it since August 1st, his ADP is all the way down to 65. That puts him behind guys like Elijah Mitchell and A.J. Dillon, and I think that's appropriate. And the guy, the next running backs behind him are Tony Pollard and Devin Singletary, who actually kind of like Singletary this year. <laughs> um, so, I, so I guess, yeah, I probably won't have much Gibson uh, unless his price continues to plummet here. The thing is, I don't have a ton of confidence in uh, in Brian Robinson necessarily either. I mean, he was a third-round pick, so you got to imagine he'll get his shot sooner or later. But, you know, he was always right around five yards of carry at Alabama, you know, which – you maybe expect to be a little more than that. And, um, and, and, you know, they got J.D. McKissick for pass catching anyway. So maybe Robinson – I can see Robinson having a year similar to, say, Kenneth Gainwell last year. And even – where the usage was very sporadic. He would get some random one-yard, two-yard touches, touchdowns, but you couldn't really rely mm-hmm. on him on a week-to-week basis. And Kenneth Gainwell last year might even be the ceiling for Brian Robinson for me. So that's the cop I'm kind of going to make. Um, and – I think that might even be a maybe a little bit of a stretch to call that a ceiling because uh, Gainwell had that positive. Uh, you know, he'll see some, maybe some TV regression. Yeah, uh, I think last week we did, we talked about the auto new draft I did for just a little bit. Uh, there was a few Brian Robinson supporters in there, and I I made the bet that I think he'll be uh, on a CFL team by year two before he'll actually be the starter for the Commanders. I don't know if like I was doing that more in jest, but I really am not a fan of him from a talent perspective whatsoever. Uh, I, I tend to defer to John McKechnie and Mario Puig when it comes to all things incoming rookies. And they had both said, kind of like with Kenny Pickett, if we didn't have this COVID season, there's no way Brian Robinson is even drafted. Uh, and obviously he was able to benefit this this extra year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced he's not very good. Uh, but I also don't know. Antonio Gibson's had a lot of stuff going on over the last two years. And if the commanders do want to move off him, I can see them making a dumb choice. Like it, it would be dumb to play Brian Robinson over Antonio Gibson but that doesn't mean the commanders won't do it. You know, like, does, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I could easily see it happens, especially if, uh, you know, I'm looking at Antonio Gibson's fumble history. Right. He, he did fumble the ball six times last year. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's week six and he's fumbling for the third time, you know. For Ron Rivera, enough, you know. Ron Rivera will add Exactly. Enough. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, it might not be the smart decision, but I could see it happening, yeah. I mean, I should have known Antonio Gibson fell to like the fifth round in June. Right. And, and he was, he was he at one point considered like, you know, maybe in the third round coming back, you know, that was kind of where he was being taken. So his stock is steadily plummeting. I'm hoping it plummets a little bit more because eventually, you know, the upside with how good that we believe he is, you, you know, if he gets down to like, if he's down in the sixth round, I'll take him. Yeah, you know, that's if perfect. He's in, if he's perfect down in the sixth round, then, then he's mine. But uh, until then, you know, I, I can I can find fifth round backs. What I'm what I'm like learning that. is that uh, come next week Tuesday when we do the stake league auction, I'm going to nominate Singletary, Gibson, and Miles Sanders, and you are going to have three wasted roster spots, and I will already have the advantage. Even if you get them for ten bucks, I don't care because I want zero of those players <laughs> whatsoever. And and literally yeah, any time I can touch Miles Sanders, I think. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, this is the, too the stingy. Other, too other, stingy for Jake to take. Uh, months. Why is it that you don't like Singletary? We can get into this a little bit. He's uh, the projected starting running back mm-hmm. on possibly the best offense. In I, the think National sure. Football League. I think for sure. I think for sure. And and you and so uh, Zach Moss isn't going to threaten him. Jim nope. Johnson probably won't even make the roster. James Cook, I guess we'll see. James Cook interests me to some degree. I did take him yep. in the dynasty. Don't League. want him either. But for year one, you just you just you, you don't like Singletary. I feel like this is a running back by committee that is all sorts of incorrect usage for the running back by committee, and also. 
I don't see a scenario where any of them are getting a whole lot of goal line touchdowns. You got to think, remember, Josh Allen is by far the best weapon in the red zone from a quarterback position since P. Cam Newton. Like, that's what Josh Allen is best at. It's not being quarterback. It's being that bludgeoning threat near the goal line. And I think there has a lot of value to that. Maybe the Bills take a little bit of pressure off that. When he's... How many times are they going to call his number? to be the? This is the man that's building the stadium. I know, I know, I know. How many times, hey, be the bludgeoning force at the goal line, please. Do you think they want to see that at all? I know. I was going to say that's the $240 million man, right, that they're going to take away some of those opportunities. Is Singletary the one that gets them? No. Is James Cook? No. I I actually think Zach Moss would be the person that would fit that. To be honest, I think the Bills are going to do something to improve that third running back spot. And it's just a – it's an uncomfortable uh, RBC that I just don't want. And I had Singletary last yeah. year and used him effectively. Like, I get yeah. the value for just, If he's $10, I'm jumping all over that. I think there's no way he'll be single digit. This is this is the perfect nomination and, uh, strategy. I'm just going to get him on. I'm going to go ahead and throw out uh, Antonio Gibson. Me losing $10. No, 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 20 You're going to lose 20 on both those guys and have to worry about the roster spots. That's your problem. All right. Well, let's see it. This will be fun. <laughs> All right, so we also had uh, Chase Claypool now announcing he's 100% healthy, back for the Steelers in their pass-catching goal. That's fine. He's going in the ninth or 10th round in most uh, solid, I was going to say solid, like competitive redraft formats. Obviously, they have Najee Harris. They have Deontay Johnson, who surprisingly signed an extension. He's going to be around for the next three years. Uh, and then you had George Pickens, who had that great touchdown catch in week one of the preseason and also absolutely obliterated that Seahawks cornerback in what is going to be easily one of the best blocks of the year i know you haven't seen it yet jake but you need to take a time because uh, it is the peace sign to him after he pushes him to the ground it was he pancakes and then peace like as much as you uh might have some concerns about george pickens in the, the mental capacity that was a pretty badass move that i love so they they are deep at wide receiver as they always are but this is gonna be interesting receiving core taking the page out of the lazard book lazard is always one of the best blocking <laughs> receivers in the whole national football league and now he'll uh Hopefully, are you, know, are you moving Claypool up at all now that he's officially announced he's healthy? I have, you know, the again, the outlook stays the same. It was more or less a, a line on the news pool to say, or in our news portion, to say that all the Steelers are healthy and that while this offense looks amazing except for the quarterback. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But ninth round, I, I could be talked into a ninth round guy. He's a guy that could, uh, he could definitely outperform that ADP. People forget how, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, he was, he was he was getting some positive touchdown luck for sure, you know, on some of those breakaway passes and some of his huge, huge, huge games. But uh, he was, he did seem like a pretty dynamic electrifying player. And, um, you know, we'll just see if Michigan can get him the ball. Well, since I know that your guys are Devin Singletary and Antonio Gibson, it's only fair, Jake, for me to tell you that my guy, J.K. Dobbins, is now back at practice and at least competing in, or, yeah, competing, right, participating in individual drills. We haven't seen him yet in 11-on-11 situations. I would doubt we see Dobbins at all this preseason altogether. But he is going to be ready for week one. That's good news. He's more or less going in the fifth round. I think in standard formats, you could even see him creep a little bit higher up. I love Dobbins for what he can be in this Ravens offense. And we know Gus Edwards probably won't be available to start the season, too. Are you are you moving Dobbins up at all in your ratings? I was already drafting him, so you're going to have to be above me in redraft formats. But are you comfortable going as high as the fourth or fifth round? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that fourth or fifth round. I mean, the fact that he's still making progress. You know, mm-hmm. he, he used to be only doing individual drills. Now he's running plays. Pretty soon he'll be doing seven on seven, and, and you know, we'll get up to full team drills. So as long as I see him continue to make progress, uh, I'm, I'm okay paying the price that he's at here. But again, you know, you talk the point you just made with uh with Buffalo and the quarterback stealing red zone carries. It's not only the quarterback in Baltimore. Uh, you know, it, it, that'll that'll take those red zone uh, and short yardage touchdowns. It's there'll be a committee. They're not running Lamar in the red zone. I, yeah. I guarantee you. They'll have some zone reads. I'm sure. I guarantee you, Josh Allen will have more red zone carries than Lamar Jackson at the end of the season. I we can call for his board bet that right now. I feel very confident in that fact. But I, you're right. I mean, Lamar will steal some touches, and I think. The explosiveness. Now, if you said who's going to have more rushing touchdowns, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, that's closer because I think Lamar has the explosive capability of breaking off some of these plays. Um, but I think Dobbins is more than capable of being that red zone threat, and that's where I'm. I'm I, I really love that. I, I think the upside is there for 1,200 plus yards, and even if he doesn't do a lot from a catching perspective, I'll gladly sign up for that for my running back too. Yeah, we got him listed at five ten to twelve, which I guess. 
was I, uh, for some reason I envisioned a smaller guy. You know, but, you were you're thinking of Justice Hill, right? Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. From one Ravens back to a former Ravens back, Mark Andrews didn't participate in the Week One preseason contest for the Saints. No real surprise there, given he's an aging veteran. However, Alvin Kamara, we feel Mark like Ingram. I think you said Mark Andrews. I know Mark Andrews. Oh, I could have said yeah, Mark Andrews. Andrews that's too, but a totally different conversation. Mark you lost me for a second, and then I was like, wait a minute. Mark, Mark Ingram, sorry. Mark Ingram, yes, the former Ravens running back now, Saints one, didn't practice in the or didn't play in the week one preseason. You know, it, that's fine with me. I've actually been drafting Mark Ingram in a few of the best ball formats towards the end, thinking Elvin Kamara was going to be suspended for an X amount of time. That doesn't seem like that's going to occur this season. I've already seen his uh, redraft value in the NFFC have pushed up to pick 12, 13, which is almost entirely because of Tom Kesnick uh, tweeting about literally every single time Alvin Kamara falls in the second round. Uh, so I guess you could blame Tom for any uh, value that you're hoping to get if you were going to draft Kamara. I have been avoiding him altogether. Uh, anytime there is this situation where there is some concern he could be suspended, I just don't want to go that direction for the first round. I don't really feel like there's that much value for him with Jameis Winston as a quarterback. This isn't Drew Brees and Sean Payton where – Breeze can only throw 10 yards anyway, so why not throw it to Kamara? And you have Michael Thomas healthy and Chris Olave is there. I, I think they're I think we're we're grossly misunderstanding what Kamara's value could be, even if he does play the entire season. Yeah, yeah. He's he's back in play for me. He, I was like, you were Oh, you are he, you're going to draft him. Oh, I'm not. Oh, you're not. I'm way to go, Jake. Clearly not listening to me. No, I'm avoiding Kamara. You are fine with him, you're saying though. Yeah, no, I, I'm fine with him. He's back in play. I mean, I, I was on a 100 percent avoid. And now I could see taking him at the turn. I'll, I'll put it that way. I okay. could take him at the turn because I think this offense is just going to get a lot a lot better. I mean, if, it, if Michael Thomas is what he is, I don't see that as someone that's going to take away opportunities from Kamara. I just see that as someone helping the offense, uh, you know, a lot more to, to progress and continue. So, uh, so you know, give, give me some Kamara at the end of the first round. Uh, I'm a lot more safe doing it now. Yeah, Clipboard Jesus is with me. He's not taking Kamara in the second, third, or fourth round. I mean, I, I would – probably consider him the third or fourth round. Um, even then, I might go wide receiver. Would you take Aaron Jones over Kamara? Uh, see, that's one that – There we go. <laughs> I got you on this one. I take Kamara over Aaron Jones mm-hmm. if I'm sitting at like 11. But if I'm at the 11, 12 – or I'm at the turn – Because you're thinking 12, you can get Aaron I, I Jones could, back. I could take both. Okay. And I would be very happy with that. I, if I started Jones and Kamara, if that was the start of my draft, I would be very, very happy with that. Okay, so that that makes some sense to me if you want to go strategically about it. But I will take Aaron Jones every time. And in fact, I did in the NFFC draft, NFFC draft which we'll review uh, in just a bit. Yeah, mid-second round – Easy layup for me for Aaron Jones, and I think he has more consistent and reliable value than whatever Camaro will be this season. So last bit of news is that we did have Marquise Brown finally return to the practice field. Obviously, he's been dealing with this hamstring injury. We know Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma teammates from way back when, also has been out with COVID and a few other different things with his knee. The duo is now back. I don't know. I I have kind of waffled between Marquise Brown. Like We know DeAndre Hopkins about the next six weeks to start the season. Marquise Brown is your number one wide receiver. We saw Christian Kirk do really good things in that offense, and it sounds like Marquise Brown more or less is playing that role, and that chemistry is there. And yet at the same time, you tell me you have to take Marquise Brown in the fifth round or you don't get him. That makes me uneasy. I just, even, in, even in a full-point PPR format, and Brown has been good at racking up catches. I don't want to say good at catching the ball because he's had some pretty noticeable drops at the Lions game in particular last year. But he has been good at like a 90, 90 target or 90 reception rate. I don't know. What's your thoughts on Marquise Brown? Yeah, Marquise Brown is interesting. He's someone that, uh, you know, I, I didn't love a ton early on, even even with the chemistry and stuff, because I feel like the, uh, you know, the solid run is going to be short lived. Once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, he's, uh, he's you know, he's a guy that's getting, you know, 12 targets. The Marquise Brown's a six in a, in a game, you know, in a game where mm-hmm. they're throwing. A decent amount. We're willing to throw in more than they want. That being said, I did get posed an interesting keeper dilemma today. Um, you know, I had previously <laughs> mentioned uh, T. Higgins at fifteen dollars, and I can keep Marquise Brown for zero dollars because I forgot that I picked him up at the end of last year for nothing. So now, now things get interesting for me. Um, you know, Higgins wrote a wire prices out around thirty dollars in a two hundred dollar budget uh, auction, and. Um, and with inflation, that'll probably end up being around a $40 player here. So 
I'm still leaning towards Higgins, but, uh, you know, both of these guys are a little bit banged up, like you mentioned, like I, the hamstring thing, and Higgins mm-hmm. is just getting back to 11 on 11. So uh, it's, it's a situation that I could see injuries, um, you know, changing my mind. But for now, I'm sticking to Higgins in that dilemma. I feel like this podcast is just made for you to figure out your keeper decisions. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm happy to help everybody else out, in, you know, in, in the same sense. And I like to, I like to crowdsource these things and, and, you know, talk about the real life applications uh, of situations where I would maybe consider keeping Marquise Brown because he showed up on the news. You should put that actually on a poll. I would be curious to see $15 T Higgins or $0 Marquise Brown. Which one are you going to keep? I'm leading towards Higgins only because I know your league and it feels like it's not always the sharpest tools in the shed in that one. And I think you can find some value at times uh, a little bit later on. And even if Marquise Brown were a $15 player this year uh, and you, and you just like, you, opt not to keep him and bid on him. Like, I think that that's actually pretty fair value, which I could expect. Whereas Higgins, you're right. 30, $40 feels uh, safely within that range too. So maybe post that uh, after the show to see what the rest of the conglomerate says uh, when it comes to the value, but interesting question. Nevertheless. All right, let's get a word from our sponsors real quick with blue wire. The uh, video obviously or video audience will be right back in a second. If you're listening on all the podcast platforms. Okay. Skip a little bit ahead and you'll be able to catch on with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, so we are back now. So we're going to be recapping my NFFC. It's the Beat Joe Bartle format. So uh, we have this deal with the NFFC where different RotoWire analysts out there, if you finish higher than us, I think I think it's from a record standpoint, but maybe points, I'm not positive. You actually get a free subscription to RotoWire. That's always fun in games, but it's also the $250,000 top prize that we're all competing for. Uh, yes, if I do get the top prize, I'm not going to be retiring from RotoWire, but I'll be probably writing more articles and doing less podcasts with you, Jake. Sorry. Uh, but that is our goal uh, to, for these competitions. It was a hard one. Um, in these drafts, and I actually wrote about it, which could, I'll tweet it out post-show, uh, but uh, you can pick your draft spot. It's the Kentucky draft selection thing. I forget what it's called. KDS is the abbreviation for it. And I love that idea. In fact, if I was to say one way in which I can improve just basic overall fantasy formats, it's, it's letting you pick your draft spots kind of – having a, the ability to, to do so. I inexplicably got the number eight selection. I've been on the podcast now weeks saying I want the number three spot or four spot or two spot. I want early on because the value when it comes back around is perfect for what I'm looking for. I despise, despise the eight spot. And inexplicably, 
I got the eight pick. That was my second to last one. The only one I think is worse is number nine. So I was already tilting by the start of this draft, knowing that I was picking number eight. Uh, but we'll kind of go over and review the results thus far. I did take Najee Harris with my first overall pick. So number eight overall, Derek Henry and DeAndre Swift went directly after that. This is a six points per passing touchdown lead that's going to be important later. Full points per reception. Otherwise, pretty basic and standard scoring uh, elsewhere across the board. So yes, Jake, I do value Najee Harris more because they full point PPR format than Derrick Henry. But sure, go ahead and tell me how wrong I am. I'm ready to hear it. Yeah, so <laughs> this is you go from the ultimate. This is going to be my story the whole time through. You go from the ultimate check down kind of quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger to a quarterback that's going to run himself like Mitch Trubisky, right? And um, <laughs> that mixed with the usage limitations and concerns there together, which – Hey, by no means am I saying Harris is not a first-round pick, but uh, you go to the Titans, on the other hand, where, where Henry is the guy. He was healthy after his injury in the playoffs, has now, now has had a whole offseason to recover. Uh, borderline healthy. I was going to say, are we sure? He was healthy enough that they were willing to use them. You know, the fact that he even played suggests that uh, he had made enough progress and is going to have the whole offseason to recover. He, he is the man, and I feel like, you know, at this time, you know, I've said this over and over again. At this time next year, we're going to be talking about Derrick Henry as a top three pick in next year's draft. So it sounds like, Jake, your mic is having some issues right now. I'll let you kind of figure that out. But I'll explain my thought process more as you're doing that with that, that first overall selection. You're right. I, I I understand what you're saying with Derrick Henry being a top uh, weapon for the Titans offense. And, again, A.J. Brown trade. Traylon Burks maybe not being able to run straight, uh, much less do a route correctly. I know that was a bit of an exaggeration uh, post report, but fine. Like there are those, there are some concerns when it comes to that for the Titans offense. Even with that being said, oh hi Jake, he's going to help out with the soundboard stuff. Even with that being said, I think Najee Harris, I I believe there's going to be an efficiency upgrade with Roethlisberger gone, Trubisky there, Kenny Pickett maybe factoring in. And I know all those weapons are around, but the efficiency upgrade is the reason why I think at 1.8, he still makes some sense from a value perspective. I guess I'll uh, Mike check you, Jake. Are you still looking good right now? Yeah, Mike check over here. We'll see if this is a little bit better. I think we're good. You sound fine in my ears, yeah, but yeah, you were I doing know, before. I, so. That's why I didn't know this, is, uh, this came from some listeners and from some folks outside here. So uh, hopefully – Hopefully the mic is back here and I have I have less backgrounding noise. Otherwise, we're just going to have to push through it. Cause, uh, cause, yeah. So Najee Harris, 1.8. Um, I think there's an efficiency upgrade with the loss of Ben Roethlisberger in the offense. That's why I took him over Derrick Henry. What do you think about that? So hang on. Can you repeat that question? I'm sorry. I'm trying to get coached. I'm trying to get coached on the mic situation here. Okay. Efficiency upgrade. The Steelers offense maybe isn't better, but I think Najee Harris's situation got better because of the Trubisky and Kenny Pickett quarterback combo, and that's why I'm comfortable taking him 1.8. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the argument for Harris. That It's basically always the counter argument to his, uh, you know, his less passes, less usage is he's more efficient. But I just, I don't necessarily know how we can make that make that leap necessarily that he'll be more efficient with his touches. It's the same thing with Austin Eckler. That's why we're drafting him 1.5. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, good point. <laughs> okay, that's all. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little flustered with this, whole, uh, with this whole audio situation here. We got this new rig, and it's been rough. No, that, that's totally fine. I guess I'll outline a couple of the other things. Yeah, so, let's again, go the, let's go back to the draft. I mean, no. So, I want Najee Harris 1.8. Now, I should uh, let the listeners know, this ended up being uh, a massive tout draft inadvertently. Like, these... These things we're doing, the Beat Joe Bartle ones, it's meant to be getting newer people in to the online championship format. And if you are out there and super into fantasy sports and want to be in a competitive environment, I really think the NFFC is a perfect place to do so. But the stakes are a little bit higher. And I get if you don't want to graduate to that level. So I think we had like three or four different people. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. I'm sorry. Joe uh, Galzamino, who was drafting the 11th spot. We also had the overall NFFC uh, Rotoware Online Championship winner in this draft. And then we also had uh, Chris Davis as well, too, who's been a friend of the program and done a lot of different things as well with Rotoware, too, all participating in the same draft. So there's like, and I, you know, there's, it's possibly that of the other eight people I didn't list, maybe one or two more are just experts I'm not aware of. This was, this was a stacked draft. And I'm glad I didn't know about that after the fact because I would have been even more nervous during it, but it, it made more sense why I had the, the struggles industry, I did. The whole industry knows you're an easy mark. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was, I thought it was that they won the competition. You're right. That probably yeah, is the yeah, case yeah, that exactly. they, they, they won. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but no, uh, you know, moving on to the rest of your draft, you know, 
I like a lot of the decisions that you made, and uh, I think you made the best of some situations too, especially uh, being stuck after these wide receiver runs and and these kinds of things. Uh, so uh, you know, let's keep let's keep moving here. Out of the second round, go for it. Yeah. So I took Aaron Jones, and we mentioned that earlier. Uh, when it comes to Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara, I took Aaron Jones with my second round pick. Now in the NFC, this is a third round reversal. So I made the Aaron Jones selection, thinking I'm going to get one of the top tight ends, whether it be Kelsey, who was not taking the time, Mark Andrews, or Kyle Pitts with my third-round selection. I, I wasn't intending to do back-to-back running back picks. That, that really wasn't my my plan. But when, when CeeDee Lamb went off at pick 13 overall, that was really my only target that I wanted to get back at the end of the second round. It never happened. So, yeah. I, I, I think mean, you look at the receivers that were left. You know, you could have taken Debo Samuel, Tyree Kill, Mike Evans, or, uh, or or even A.J. Brown, I guess is what you were looking at there. Mm-hmm. And um, – I don't know. Compared to Aaron Jones, I'd rather I'd rather shore up that uh, that running back two spot. You know, uh, it's you can love both Aaron Jones and think that AJ Dillon's going to get more work this year. Both yes. of these guys can be uh, incredibly fantasy relevant, and uh, you know, <laughs> we try to find where the Aaron Rodgers targets are going to go. With you know, talking about Lazard possibly as a breakout, Sammy Watkins. We want to try to make something out of out of do- out of Dubs. Uh, Dobbs, Romeo you know, Dobbs. Yeah, yeah Dobbs. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I watched that game on mute. There was another situation going on. Um, but anyway, uh, I think Aaron Jones will get just as many, if not more targets than past years. And he'll continue to be a heavy factor in both the running and the passing. And, and I, and I know the injury concerns are there. Like I, I get that with Aaron Jones. He hasn't played a full season in the last three years. Okay, great. To win these type of competitions, you have to have the guys that I think can be top finishing performers. And I don't, I really don't think it's that crazy to say Aaron Jones could be running back one overall next year in a full point PPR format if he's utilized the way we think he could be post Devonte Adams. He's got to stay healthy, and I would never want to take him one point one, at least given his injury concerns. But that is the potential. I mean, that, that's the potential more than Alvin Kamara in my mind, uh, and a few of these other guys. So yeah, I want Aaron Jones in the second round. Third round reversal occurs. I don't know. I was if Travis Etienne had made it back to my pick at like three five, um, I would have had to consider things a little bit more and really went off the rails with three straight running backs. I did end up getting Kyle Pitts though to fog me that spot, and I I wrote about it and I tweeted about it at the time. I'm going to have like eighty percent roster rate with Kyle Pitts at minimum for these redraft formats right now. If you are stuck with the one point eight through one nine ten lever. That's the best value you can get in the third round is Kyle Pitts. And I will not be convinced otherwise with any of these wide receivers running backs. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I like Kyle Pitts. Um, I haven't had a chance to take him yet. I'm going to need to correct that here very soon. Uh, you know, generational tight end athleticism, you're going to see, you're going to see you know, basically is like it will be as hard to cover as any wide receiver with just as good hands, uh, but tight end eligible. So that's the kind of uh, – that, that's what we crave there. There's no doubt in my mind that he is going to be awesome. But – you don't have any concerns about the quarterback play there at all. You think you're going to find a way to uh, they're going to whoever's under center is going to find a way to get him the ball consistently enough. Yeah, I have no I have no issues. Maybe it's because I've done the SiriusXM show on Fridays with Mario now for a while, who is a stan of Marcus Mariota more than I really know many people to be. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty convinced that that offense will be respectable. My whole theory has been the last month and a half, really getting set for this period draft season now. I am more than comfortable taking good wide receivers in bad offenses. The only exception that I've found thus far is Amari Cooper, although I didn't take Darnell Mooney, uh, which is another one of those good wide receiver bad scenario. But Kyle Pitts, Drake London, DK Metcalf, they're all among my most drafted, and I think the value that they're going to get as the number one targets, don't talk about Tyler Locke or anybody else like that, is going to be more than enough to offset any limitations you think that QB or offense has overall. And we don't know. I mean, like we're not part of the coaching staff of the Falcons. We're not aware of what they plan to do. Arthur Smith has worked with Marcus Mariota in the past. Maybe there's some magic he can work out of them. I don't know. Um, but even if you're projecting them to be one of the worst, I do think the workload Kyle Pitts and London to a lesser extent are going to have uh, far outweighs any limitations that offense will occur. All right, fair enough. So continuing with your uh, picks, is it the same uh, same theme with your fourth round pick here? Uh, you know, a good receiver and maybe a not so great offense with Jalen Waddle and the Dolphins. I mean, I think that offense is better than the Falcons, Bears, and uh, Seahawks. Uh, yeah, but yeah, boy, enough. if if, if Tua stinks as yeah. much as some think he could, you're right. That could be on there. No, I, I felt fortunate to get Jalen Waddle uh, at four eight. I mean, honestly, uh, I wrote about it in the article. 
10 receivers went off of the next 14 picks that I had. I, I did not anticipate a run like that. And to be honest, I probably should have. The running backs were kind of bleak at that point. We already know that the NFC is a pretty running back and wide receiver heavy kind of a draft platform. So I should have been prepared, but it caught me off guard. And to see DK Metcalf, who I just talked about, I love, go ahead of Jalen Waddle was mildly infuriating. I felt pretty confident I could get Metcalf. That's, again, one of the only advantages to have him at 1.8 rolls, getting a few of these guys. That never occurred to me uh, or, or never never came back to me. So Jalen Waddle, I thought, was a nice enough consolation in a full-point PPR format, even if he gets 85 receptions, which I think is more or less his over-under on DraftKings right now. I will be happy with that value uh, for his spot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more than comfortable taking Jalen Waddle, uh, especially in the fourth round. I think Mario had taken him at the beginning of the fourth in his draft, which occurred a couple weeks ago. And John McKechnie, who had one a little bit earlier as well, too, was mid-third, early fourth for a while. So to have him there, here, I felt, was a, a bit of a value. Yeah, and, I mean, that value with respect to his ADP here, he's 36 since August 1st in the NFFC. So you're looking at, like, the last pick of the third, first of the fourth. So right. you got a pretty solid – Solid value there, and you know, Roto Wire must be using the over unders because we project him for 86 receptions, 1100 yards, <laughs> good, and, and seven touchdowns here. So, uh, and geez, I mean, he caught 104 balls last year. You mm-hmm. know, we probably expect some regression with Tyree Kill around, but but really, will there be? Maybe, yeah, I mean, he'll get some, but he seems like more of a big play guy than someone they're going to do the dump offs to. So, we'll, We'll wait and see here. Waddle could uh, end up impressing. So this this ended up being kind of the, the pivot point, and I've I've talked about in drafts past. Um, I hate, I despise the fifth or sixth round. Like if you allowed me to trade picks, I would trade out of the fifth or sixth round every single time. I just don't like whatever value you're kind of forced to get, especially if you go with Kyle Pitts in the third round, which I often tend to do. This is a six points per passing passing touchdown league, and I want to stress that again. Normally you're playing four points for Yahoo or ESPN, which is fine. This is six points per passing touchdown. Somehow. Both Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes made it back to my pick in the fifth round. You know how much I love Justin Herbert. I've taken him in a couple different drafts. I think we we uh, reviewed the Vegas draft a couple weeks ago. I took him and Lamar Jackson, much to the chagrin of a lot of different people. I will double down on Justin Herbert every single time. I think the possibility for him being QB1 overall, I know Josh Allen is pretty comfortably in that spot. But if there's going to be somebody else I'm picking, right, I'm taking Herbert every time. He actually has the highest over-under of touchdowns projected to be thrown by DraftKings Sportsbook, too, at 36.5. I love Herbert. I love Herbert in the fifth round, even though it did kind of come back to hurt me from a roster construction standpoint. Yeah, Yeah, um, and, you know, it's always been a Herbert-Mahomes debate. They've been kind of neck and neck Mm -hmm. the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I had mentioned that I went uh, went Mahomes in a previous draft. I'll go Herbert in the next draft. Uh, I think both these guys are going to have great seasons. I mean, uh, and and we go back to our strategy show, right, where we avoid fading quarterbacks, don't take them early. Um, But when you get to the fifth round and someone like Herbert or Mahomes are still out there, even Lamar Jackson in the fifth round, I like just fine. Um, and I think even in that show, I said, I will, I will take Allen. I will take Herbert. Those are the only two guys that I'm going up for. If not, I will wait to the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins range to go and get my quarterback. And that's what ended up happening in this draft. So yeah, in the fifth round, I was totally fine with Herbert in this format. Again, it hurt me though. You look at the wide receivers that were taken afterwards, which at this point I have just one within the first round, uh, five rounds, Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore. We like, we both like Elijah Moore. Uh, Mari Cooper, fine. I'm happy that wasn't my pick. Adam Thielen, fine. Also, was not going to go that direction. But it was Chris Godwin that ended up tilting me off the planet at this already, and it just gets worse from here. I, I thought for sure Chris Godwin was going to get faded a little bit. Uh, didn't play in the preseason game. We're still having him work back into actual 11 versus 11 drills. He's coming off this injury. I thought for sure I could get Chris Godwin in the sixth round as a full point PPR format. I love that. I think there's tons of value. Made a lot of sense to me. That did not happen. So when Godwin was taken three picks before mine, it was like a, uh, I don't know what to do. Hopkins was directly taken back in the sixth round right after my this pick. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to take Hopkins missing six games. I'm not taking Kadarius Tony in the sixth round. I'm not Chris List. I'm not going to do something dumb like that. I'm not taking Brennan Ayuk in the top of the seventh early. Or, so like it, it just didn't work for me. I ended up taking George Kittle. And, it, and it's ironic, Jake, because I did this uh, NF- NFC draft last year, and I finished top 450, which I felt really good about made the company just a little bit of money uh, because I had finished so high. I took Kyle Pitts in the sixth round and George Kittle in the third round in that draft. So maybe I'm trying to get a little bit of magic going again. Um, but if Kittle, if Kittle actually is healthy, top 450. 
that four fifty. Yeah, you all got an extra seventy four cents in your paycheck because I brought home a cumulative prize that had to be dished out to all the full timers. So you are welcome, uh, listening RotoWire members. Yeah, so I took I took Kyle Pitts in the sixth round last year. Kittle in the third round reversed this time. If Kittle does end up being healthy, I know it's a big if. He's comfortably among the top four scorers at that position, comfortably. And that's an advantage that I like to have over a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having two solid tight ends is a nice, it's, it's a very nice luxury. You protect yourself against injury and still have an elite guy. And hopefully, you know, you're thinking maybe uh, you cause a run on tight ends too, because the pick right after you there was, uh, was Dalton Schultz. It was but, awful pick, right? Like I, yeah, I there's I no way like I'm taking pick. Dalton Schultz in the sixth round. I think that that was more like a, Oh, I have the tight end position queued up. Oh wait, somebody, Oh, oh I already took Dalton Schultz. Like there's no way that the value of Schultz is equal to George Kittle. One, it, one to mean, one. Is it just me or like I, I rank Hawkinson and Ertz and maybe even Goddard ahead of Dalton Schultz, but maybe that's a, uh, yeah, I have Goddard just, and Hawkinson there, but I think they're all Hawkinson within the same range. Hawkinson for sure. For yeah, yeah. I actually like Hawkinson this year. Another guy. I need to just keep drafting more so I can get shares of all the guys that I like. I, I mean, I don't know, man. If I were you, I'd have probably went Hopkins, so I'd be – You're be missing six games? Yes. Get, get yourself a big run. Okay, so, you know, the, okay, cumulative prizes. Explain to the uh, to the listeners how this works again. Is it, is it a total points throughout the year thing? So you have to finish among the top three more or less. There's, there's like, qualifications for it. Top three within your league to be able to move on to the ultimate tournament, which is weeks 14 through 17. And taking out that week 18 and then you're competing with the cumulative points that everybody else has had across all the other rotoware online championships so you make a top three you're then placed into additional pool and then you're competing with the points over the next four weeks scored that that's so you're sacrificing round six value uh of whatever somebody's gonna be able to produce for six weeks in a total cumulative point league to possibly have the upside of hopping like i'm not taking him round eight like they're, they're, in this format, it did not make sense for me to do that. When there's way too many sharps out there playing, no way was I going to make that make, make that call. Yeah, yeah, no. I think the uh, rules and the structure of the NFFC um, make this it, this it makes this make sense. Um, I would say so because uh, because you need to make sure you get into that qualifying situation. You know, in a normal redraft league, I'm fine taking them because I'm confident that I can work the wire, get enough of a lineup together through those first six weeks to just be in his position to make the playoffs. And then I like having Hopkins as, you know, someone that would, you know, without those, without those six game suspension, he's probably a second round pick. So uh, I, I like having that extra second round pick come back and uh, get me. And I took him in our, uh, in our staff league in, um, in the, uh, in the seventh round. So uh, in the road wire invitational, I was, and I was pretty pleased with uh, getting that kind of value. And that's, and that's fine. Like I, I don't mind that when you're trying to shoot for, best case scenario without total points being a factor. That's what this is. Like, And I, and I only had one wide receiver prior to this point. There's no way that's going to be a, a choice that I made. So seventh round, I take Drake London. I talked about it before. I like good wide receivers and bad teams. I will continue to double down on that. I did not prepare for both Alan Lazard and Christian Kirk to be taken in the seventh round as well. That was about 15 to 20 round, or rounds. Picks higher than what their ADP was at the moment, which was – Completely baffling to me. I had taken London in the seventh round with the assumption that I could get one of those back, whether it be Kirk or Alan Lazard, in the eighth round. To have neither of that occur was absolutely frustrating to me. And again, you look at where Lazard went, uh, and again, the draft we posted when I when I post the overall podcast out, back end of the second round, uh, Kirk back in the second round. If I had just had that 1.3, 1.4 spot, I would have been able to probably grab both of them. So I'm, I'm Still pissed that this occurred uh, and just got me either further enraged with this draft. Um, yeah, yeah, no, continuing to tilt there. Uh, yeah, London, we have some uh, some concerns. And, and you, yeah, you thought you were going to get Lazard or Kirk back. But um, I don't know. I think the rest of your draft, especially your next pick, I love Rashad Penny in the eighth round. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't quite necessarily buy the Kenneth Walker hype. Um, and He's, again, you're taking a rookie back and assuming he's just going to beat Penny out for the job, who had a very nice run. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I think he did a very good job getting, which was, uh, you know, your RB3 and a solid flex play. Right. So uh, you really nailed that. I took uh, I took Penny myself in in a similar spot in the 14-team in the Sirius XM League, and I think that's a perfect spot to grab him. We're, we're continuing to have sound issues, so we'll round up the rest of this draft here. And, again, you can review the results. I wrote a pretty good article on at least I – Pat myself on the back a little bit, uh, which you can see as well, too, on Twitter. So I took Robert Woods uh, in round nine. 
Rondale Moore in round 10. I like the Rondale Moore selection, especially if you thought Marquise Brown was going to miss time. Well, he's back now, like we talked about. So maybe that doesn't matter so much anymore. James Robinson around 11. If there's no more of a pet project than Kyle Pitts for the Rotoware gang, it's James Robinson around 11. I had to continue to stay in form. Devontae Parker in round 12 will be the guy that I'm going to hate for the rest of the season. I like Devontae Parker. I think he could be good if he stays healthy. Would I have taken Devontae Parker straight up over Romeo Dobbs? No. But I thought, man, Romeo Dobbs is uh, buried at least 150 into the queue. There's no way people are going to remember. I'll be able to get him around 13. I'm smart like that. Lo and behold, back into the 12th round was taken. I literally threw the computer in the air. Now, it wasn't very high because I can't have that break. That would be very bad. But I was was (laughs) enraged. I mean, this draft had been... Crap from the start, want to say a different word, and it just got even worse from there. That was the number one biggest mistake I've had, and I think uh, so far I've done probably 12, 13 drafts. I can't think of a bigger, a stupidest moment, stupider moment than what I've done. It felt like the Homer Simpson oop thing. I just was, I was pissed. I was so pissed. I still am, as you can tell, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking through that, and uh, rough spot for sure he'd, he'd be coming back. But... 150 spots. If, like the key, It was like 150 players. Dobbs is at 227, so that's 80. I'm exaggerating. How? How, how did that happen? Well, you know, in our, in our Rotoware Invitational, uh, Pete Shanky took Dobbs in the 12th round as well. So seeing him in the 12th round is something that, I guess if you want Dobbs, it's got to be round 11 now. But, um, again, even being a Packer fan and wanting him to succeed and wanting him to be the hype, that he is. I just there's a there's a there's a special Packers receiver every single year, every single training camp who gets tons of hype and ends up you know just being an afterthought in the offense. And I think Dobbs can he can get there, he can get that role eventually. But I don't know if I don't know if he's going to be if he's going to finish among the rankings of players that should be drafted when it's all said. We'll see. I think Romeo Dobbs is significantly different than Geronimo Allison or Jake Kumaro or like some of these like yeah. talent talent wise out or. Dobbs is way better than those guys. So I'm not willing to make that same thing that you were saying where, okay, we, we have a hyped pack receiver every year. Um, so I guess consolation, I got a former Packer and Jamal Williams. Now I know that's going to get some eye rolls from some of the people at RotoWare. Jamal Williams might not be good, but he's going to get a decent amount of workload when he's healthy, and I think that matters for me as my running back four. I drafted only one other running back. That was Marlon Mack, I thought, around uh, what, 15, 14, uh, which I thought was pretty good value for, for what I was hoping for. Uh, and otherwise, two defenses, the Niners, best defense in week one and two, Steelers, best defense week three and four. Uh, and then I also was able to get Devin Duvernay, who is my favorite uh, late, late, late best ball guy. Uh, and I was able to get him in the 20th round. So that's my draft. Again, I'll, I'll post it the link on Twitter uh, as well as the article review. You can see all the other experts and what they did since this was a stacked draft overall uh, and make fun of the tilting that I continue to have throughout the article because – I, I, I did not mince words in that as well, too. There's there's some opinions shared in that in that format. Yeah, absolutely. It was very nice to see this in person. Oh, yeah, very nice, I'm sure. Uh-huh. That, we, that we have going on here. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for us in the Rotoware Fantasy Podcast. Again, brought to you by Dynasty. And we'll be back again, hopefully, better sound issues uh, next week, Tuesday, as we prepare for the most important draft in all of Rotoware history. It's the Stake League draft. Uh, we'll be getting you set. I guess we'll be reviewing that because – the draft will have occurred uh, at, well, I don't know, we'll have to figure out the time for it. Whether we're reviewing it or discussing it at a different time, that'll be what's going on next week. So Jake and I will both be preoccupied with that. But thanks, everyone, for listening.